As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy, yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Spit, the Spit Podcast. David Lee Scales, and I'm Scott Bass. And here we are on this Tuesday, July 31st, the last day in July of 2019. Good morning, David. Good morning, Scott. Beautiful uh, morning here in North County, San Diego. We're in a different environment today than our normal Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Yes, have you tried the tea? No, I've made waiting. you a wonderful milk reserve oolong. This is our favorite tea. This is the tea that, as a wine connoisseur, I think you're going to fall, fall in love with this tea. It's delicious. Isn't it good? It's so good. So you always talk about the oolong. Is that all you drink? And the reserve is for the special guests? Or do you drink no, other teas? other than I oolong? only drink the milk reserve oolong. Oh, wow. Classy. And then we have guests, as you know, who have given us tea or yeah. sent us tea in the mail, which is listeners, very nice. Yeah. Thank you, listeners, for doing that. Yeah. But this tea comes from the Tea Gallery in San Diego, and it's a milk, a reserve milk oolong. So anyway, we've we've sort of gone through all the teas, and this is the one that makes the most sense. Now, I will drink an Earl Grey cream. When you're slumming it? In the mornings, like if I wake up. You gotcha. Know, like, this is kind of an afternoon light caffeine I've heard once you go oolong, you never go back. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what the, the tea aficionados say. Oh, really? Yeah. Surprised you didn't know that. Um, well, if anybody at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center is listening, Glenn, Barry, uh, you guys need to step up your tea game. Otherwise, I'm going to have to come record at Scott's place all the time. Right. Um, shout out, by the way, Neat Essentials' latest film, Tesoro Enterado. Tesoro Entalado. There you go. Thank you, Scott. I think. Um, kind of taking over the internet. Obviously, Neat Essentials has been sponsoring this show for the last couple of years, but I love their investment in surf vi- videos, sending torn around the world, you know? It's such a great marketing platform. I mean, everyone knows that, right? That's kind of obvious, but they do they do a pretty good job of not overdoing it, you know? Like, yeah. It's like every six months, you get this really cool vibe. Yeah, no overt branding. Um and then Torin, it's funny, Torin being the person he is, his aesthetic, kind of being a hip guy, maybe a hipster, but it's all, <laughs> but it's all authentic, you know? It's because yeah. he's from that part of the world and, or from Byron Bay area. And um, I would always expect the internet to revolt, you know, like they do with Alex Nost often or whoever, where the video goes up and it's like, we all know the surfing's beautiful. We're all watching the video, but let's go to the comment section and see people hate it's kind of amazing that either the internet has tamed down or he's got the right amount of relatability, you know, that people embrace. Because I saw nothing but positivity. I think positivity. there's a sincerity there that kind of comes across, right? And with Alex That's Nost, a good point. I, you know, Alex Nost is a great surfer, don't get me wrong, but you get the sense that he's sort of playing it up a little bit. There's a bit of affect, affectation. Yes, exactly. And that... That's insincere. And right. so that's why I think there's some people who are like, oh, they kind of roll their eyes when they see the Alex Nost act. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Sincerity and kind of earnestness is appreciated. But the surfing's so beautiful. Well, that so. video is insane. What 
caught what what caught you the most about that video? Um, that's a good question because I don't think it's what every what caught everybody else because all the clips that I saw other media companies publishing were the ones of him getting those really draining barrels like overhead real thick. Um, what I liked the most is when he was riding the mid length at the kind of crumbly onshore right hand point break mm -hmm. and just whipping the thing around almost like a short board, but with all the style and grace of kind of a long border almost. Yeah. Um, he surfs that board so beautifully and I have that board. And the reason why I have that board is because of him. And so I watch it and the, it's so relatable. It's far better than I'll ever surf, but it's at least relatable yeah. as compared to Felipe Toledo surfing, I can't even relate yeah. to it at all. You know, yeah. that's what I like about it. And he'll like whip it into the lip, cruise off the bottom, tuck up into the barrel, kind of nose ride through the barrel. He's just always in the perfect positioning on the wave. There's yeah, I I agree with everything you're saying, and it, it makes me want to ride my board because I have a version of that board that Ryan Sakel made me, and I think maybe we need to push the wide point forward a little bit, but. Um, what I was going to suggest to you is what sticks out to me in that clip is that there's no one else around. Like you see footage of other point breaks down south, let's just say Selena Cruz, and you get the feeling that that's kind of where they were at. It looks like it, but maybe not. I even wrote Rob an email. I'm like, hey, where was that? Right. You know, like, cause, and so what intrigued me was that the, the entire clip, and it's like 12 minutes long. Yeah. I don't think there's any other surfers even in the water. So right. it made me kind of go, huh, that can't be Selena Cruz because right. there's going to be a couple of guys. And so I was just like, wow, that's pretty cool that they went down there with his girlfriend and the dog or whatever in the van yeah. and scored empty waves. Scored empty, really barreling killer waves. Yeah. And those kids, the family, they look Mexican. They look like a Mexican origin. Yeah, I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, well, I love the film, and obviously we'll post it on. Uh, it's all over. Spitpodcast.com. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, uh, shout out to our other sponsor, longtime sponsor, Spy SpyOptic.com. Use promo code podcast. And by the way, um, listeners have asked when they buy stuff from Need if there is a uh, promo code to use. There is not. So if there's a section for you to leave a note, you can leave a note that you heard about it on Spit, but. Uh, also, no need to. So. I'm always driving people to. In fact, the other day I was in the water in Del Mar about two weeks ago, and this friend of mine, Jody, paddles up and goes, Man, I love my Need Essentials wetsuit. Thanks so much. And I was like, Well, I, I had forgot that I had even told him about oh, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so look, when people ask me for suits, I just go, Dude, I got a hot tip for you. It is a hot Needessentials.com. Yeah. And I love my boardies. Me too. I got two pair of boardies and I got a pair of the boardie walking shorts. Yep. And they're absolutely killer go-tos. I, I know. All right. Well, were you out of town? I was. Are you allowed to talk about it on air? Sure. Okay. Uh, where were you? Nantucket. How awesome is Nantucket? It was awesome. Okay, good. <laughs> I loved I, it. Me too. I'm a I, huge fan. I went in November, I think. Maybe it was October loved it like i want to go every year well we have some listeners that kind of figured it out through my instagram that i was there and they're like dude you should have called me i could have hooked you up oh really yeah uh other guys are saying you and david should come out 
in the late season, like September or October, I always score there. The water's warm. The waves are killer. Well, one of our longtime listeners, Jonathan Nimmerfro, does right. those Slurpee waves. Yeah. He, that's where he lives. Right. He sent me something. Okay, too. cool. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I went and I spent time with him when I was there. And um, he showed me photos of waves that they get. The waves are epic. I know. Like beach break, pumping barrels. Yeah. No, it looked, it, and I saw tons of potential. Yeah. You know, like knee to thigh high waves rolling in, you know? And um, I was a little spooked by Sharky. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. It is Sharky. Probably because of Jaws. Yeah. And also, last year a guy got killed, not on Nantucket, but at Cape Cod on mm-hmm. the mainland. And so I'm a little, I was a little spooked. I got to admit. Like, I had the opportunity to go boogie boarding, you know, to, like, grab my brother's boogie board. And, and it would have been fun. Like, there was fun little wedgie, in, even on the inside, you know. And I was like, nah, you know. Chickened out? I totally did. It's not worth getting bitten first. I just, I, when you're on a boogie board, you're like, I am a turtle. It's not I that different. It's not that different than a surfboard from what the shark's point of view is, you know. How do you know? Have you spoken to a shark? I don't know. Do more boogie boarders get nipped than surfers? I don't know, but the conventional wisdom is that a shorter board is more like a turtle. And if you're on a big long board, like, you know, say eight feet or longer, it might look more like a plank of wood or something, you know. I think they're looking at the dangling arms on either scenario. The flailing limbs is what the attraction is. Yeah. Um, If you you had a surfboard, then would you have gone out? Right then, yes. I think so. But it was pretty small. Like... Yeah. I think if it was like epic, I'd be like, whatever, I'm going. Yeah. But there's lots of swimmers in the water, right? Not where I was. Oh, okay. What were you doing there? I was visiting my brother and my family. And, um, you know, my brothers and I flew out with my dad. But do they live on Nantucket? My brother owns a house there. No way. Yeah. Oh, dude, he's killing it. That is the best. You got to spend more time with him, man. He's a great guy. Get the extended invite he's for a, your. He's a very generous man. Podcast uh, <laughs> co-host. Now speaking um, of sharks, yeah, because this has been a hot topic around the Bass household, and I want to get your opinion on. It. So there's, there's been a lot of shark sightings around here lately. In fact, my son, a lifeguard down the way here, they've seen great whites breaching in Del Mar. They saw great whites breaching. It's been on the local news that there's great whites breaching outside of 15th Street. There's always been sightings up in Carlsbad. The the Great White, it's a Shark Week. It's Shark Week right now. Oh, I didn't know that. I think it's right around now or it ended okay. last week or something. Anyway, sharks have been on the the plate, so to speak, the discussion plate. And somebody suggested that we should just go out and kill the shark. The shark that's at 15th Street that's been breaching every afternoon, we should just go kill it. And there philosophy is there's a huge ocean for sharks to live first of all i think that they love sharks they don't want to kill all sharks but if there's a shark in a region where there are humans and there's potential damage and conflict to be done that the shark should be taken out much like if you're at like say yosemite and there's a bear although they don't take bears out at yosemite but if there is an aggressive bear, they do. Right, exactly. Yeah, they euthanize them. And so the question is, is this an aggressive shark? How do you determine is it an aggressive shark? But I guess my question to you is, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about... Because let me preface this by saying this. Some people are... The argument is, hey, it's the shark's home. You're the one entering their home. So you're at risk. And I think that's 
cogent. But others would say, hey, um, those environs have been the environs in the domain of man since, you know, for 40,000 years. Like we've been within a mile of the coast fishing and doing what we can to grab the resources from the ocean just as we do from the land. And if there's a coyote coming to get the chickens, we kill the coyote. And if there's a shark coming to get us or in our region that poses a threat, we kill the shark. And we're, again, we're not saying kill all sharks. The, this person's point of view, and it's not me, by the way. I'm so worried that we're going to get attacked, which we probably will. Um, but I do, I, do, I do think that they have some valid points, this person that, that made it. And this person asked me to speak about this today. They're like, I want you to talk about that. So do you think it's okay for us to kill one or two sharks that are within a mile of the coast and that have been you know, active? I guess if it eliminates the threat, then I'm okay with it. I'm not convinced that that's the best solution. Um, firstly, how do they know it's just one shark? Like you're implying that it's the same exact shark every day that's breaching. Let's off say it's Delmar. not. Let's say there's, there's. Let's just say every time we see a shark within a mile, then of that's the coast, never going to solve the problem. The sharks are coming here for a reason, and so let's figure out how to kind of redirect the patterns and make it safe for everybody without killing sharks unnecessarily. If it's one shark that is. Exhibiting, shark. yeah, exhibiting behavior that's not reflective of the whole species, and it is aggressive, which this one hasn't proven to be. So, if we could isolate this one bad behavior or this one bad actor, sure, kill him, get rid of it, because it's not in line with the rest of what the species is doing. And I don't, I don't think that any great sharks are bad actors, great white sharks. I think that they're why just, not. There's bad humans. There's bad dogs. There's bad. I'm sure there might be one or two, but my point is, is that. 99% of the great white shark attacks are like a shark goes up, bites on a leg or an arm of a guy and goes, oh my God, this isn't a seal. This is just a bunch of crunchy shit. Sure. Spits it out. The guy bleeds out and dies. In other words, I don't think that the sharks are like, hey, there's a human. I think the sharks are like, that looks like something I could eat, like a turtle or a seal. Agreed. And, and so I don't think there's bad actors. I just think that they're, they are what they are. Like they're doing what they're doing. So... This concept of if there is a bad actor, then we should take it out. I don't think you're ever. I don't think you're going to find bad. I mean, they're only bad actors after they've sampled us. Yeah, and then it's too late. Yeah. So why not address the problem right away? I think there are bad actors. First of all, there is going to be a rebel shark. Wow, <laughs> what's his name? Does he? How is he made up? Like, how, like is he brought up in a different way? Is he, he wears he's his abandoned hat. by his mother? Or? When he sits on a chair, he spins it around backwards. So uh, that's how you know. Flips his cap. Hat goes backwards. Yeah. And sometimes there's a chain wall involved. Chews tobacco. Exactly. Does he live in Huntington Beach? Exactly. He, he like came he from Huntington. He right. came down to San Diego. He walks his pit bull. Exactly. And <laughs> do those types of people still exist in Huntington Beach? Right now, during the U.S. Open, they do. Well, yeah, they come from the 909. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, which I avoid, like the plague, by the way. Huntington? Yeah. <laughs> Huntington as a whole. Like, but mainly downtown Huntington. When are you moving? Here's what's crazy, dude. This is I've noticed this as a trend over the years. I surfed this past weekend on Saturday. It was sunny, water water's warm, it's shoulder high peaks up and down the beach. I surfed with nobody out on a Saturday in July. Yeah. And the US Open's happening. And so that what I've noticed is because it's that beautiful of a day in the middle of summer and everybody's going to converge on the beach, surfers just don't go. All the surfers like you and I are like, ah, screw it. It's Saturday. I'll just surf on Friday or Monday yeah. in the off hours. And so 
I know, kind of sneaky parking spots and all that. So I there's tons of traffic. It's hard to find parking. The beach, the sand itself is super crowded with tourists. And then the water, empty. Do you go south of the pier or north of the pier? Or? Either way. I right. mean, my sneaky depends spots. Depends on your parking? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it kind of depends on the swell. What's the swell and which sandbar? Is there a sneaky like? bar? Always. A sneaky there's bar. There's so much vast openness that there's yeah. always a sneaky bar. Right. Right. And if you're kind of dialed in, you know where it is. Is it generally better on one side of the pier or the other? Not generally. It huh. de- you can't like say north swell this side, south swell that side? Kind of, yeah. Like south swell is the south side, right? Yeah, but you can't just say south side because like south side right next to the pier is different than First Street, which is just down the beach a little bit. And then that further south than that, Beach Boulevard has its days. And then like each right. little street has its own little bars, you know? Right. So Beach Boulevard. Beach Boulevard's the sneaky one, but you need the state pass to get in there. Um, like there's there's <laughs> other sneaky your, details. You're yeah. giving all your sneaky details away here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, surfers are the worst, David. Um, I want to bring this to, speaking of sharks, Jacksonville local pro surfer. Okay, right there. Red flag. Although, did you see? He can surf. <laughs> so can you he, he was doing little cool airs and stuff there's the, actually so the fact that he's the jacksonville local pro surfer just makes me raise my arm and just go it's hilarious either surfers are the worst or i am a pro surfer and i have been for 50 years right frank o'rourke 23 years old jacksonville i'd love it if it was pluralized if it's a jacksonville's local pro surfer <laughs> Jacksonville's local pro surfer, Frank O'Rourke, 23 years old, was a few yards offshore, calmly waiting for a wave in decidedly less than stellar conditions last Saturday. A three or four foot black tip shark latched onto his right arm, chomped down, and then quickly swam away. His friend said that Frank O'Rourke was treated by a lifeguard but did not go to a hospital, even though his friend said he thinks he could have used a stitch or two. And probably cleaned, too. He immediately went to the bar because he was like, Hey, I got bit by a shark. And people were like, I'll buy you drinks. So he hung out at the pier and got drunk. <laughs> Surfers are the worst. So the headline being, Surfer gets bit by a shark and goes to bar instead of hospital. Yes. I mean, this whole thing. It was Surfer the thing. bar. Yeah, it might have been it Surfer was, the No, bar. it was. Surfer no way. Bar. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Locals DM'd me to tell me. There's a surfer magazine, The Bar, yeah. at Jacksonville Pier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no wonder he's the local pro. He's the bartender there. <laughs> surfer the bar. I've been to that bar. Really? Yeah. Oh, Lord. It's, You'll it, never find me in there. It's as um, terrible as you would think. <laughs> but it suits Jack's Beach perfectly. You know yeah, what I mean? Jack's Beach is like the most redneck of all redneck beaches. Yeah. Pretty, because it's kind of closer so. to Georgia. So. Yeah, <laughs> I've got on. some good friends at Jacksonville. <laughs> I do. I, do. I actually have some really good friends. Like some of the Christian surfer guys that are my good buddies. Yeah, yeah. They're Jacksonville chapter. Those guys are from Jacksonville. So well, the fun- guys are super nice guys. You you said, oh, it's close to Georgia, as if Georgia has a worse reputation than Florida. <laughs> like Florida is the butt of all the jokes, pun intended. Right. You know. I don't know. I just feel like if you go up into Georgia, it's like, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've got some, I don't know where I get these archetypes, but. Do you ever do, uh, are you familiar with the game Florida Man? No, <laughs> but I want to be. It sounds hilarious. So give me your, can you say your birth date on air? Your 
Yeah, month and day. Uh, April 5th. Okay. You could just make one up if not. Um, so you type in the month and day and the words Florida man. <laughs> and here's the first headline that pops up. Thong wearing Florida man arrested while building shed with... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> while building, building shed with garbage on stranger's property. Nice. Thong wearing Florida man arrested while building shed on... Navy. Is this a website called Florida No, no, no. You type it into Google... And you just read the first headline that oh, pops up with that date. This is great. It's basically every date of the year. Whatever date you put in with the title Florida, Florida Man, Man will pull up a headline that oh. happened on that date. So I just did mine. Yeah. Perfect. Florida Man accusing... Sorry. Florida Man accused of shooting cat with crossbow. <laughs> you know what's a guarantee? Every single one of these Florida Man headlines that's popping up on Google has like... At least an 18-pack of beer attached to it that you don't know about. <laughs> that fueled the headline? Yes. That is a good point. What is the beer of choice in Florida? Natty Light? I don't know. There's probably some... Loke, local beer? Yeah, like, I don't know. All right, carry on with your story. Sorry to interrupt that's you. That's my story. No, that's a good story. I mean, that's to it. it's, it's hilarious. It's kind of fun. It's a great... There's a lot of... I think I read it on Surfline or... It's everywhere. Stab or something, but there's a lot of good commentary about how is this guy a pro surfer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the little video clip that I watched, the news clip, he whips like a pretty sick air reverse on an ankle high wave, which I was I like, couldn't wow. do, I couldn't do No, it was impressive. But I'm not 20. He's pumping down the line. I'm like, yeah, he's a kook. And then he throws that, and I'm like, all right. Um, I wanted to read you an email. Yes. This will be a more substantive. I'll need you to put your thinking cap on and get critical, Scott. Uh-oh. Um, Alejandro sent us an email and he said, hey, have you guys seen that video that Red Bull put out about Frankie Oberholzer? Would love to hear you two wax on and about, firstly, how endearing he is and speculate on how he's making a living and what his life must be like. Also, how many A-minus to C-level pros can exist in the world just cruising around surfing with half-hearted and half-heartedly doing surf contests? Whenever I scroll through Instagram, it feels like there are legions of blonde trust fund... Uh, a-holes basically who's funding these trips how many 20 year olds can there be that think a pro surfer is actually that think being a pro surfer is actually possible for them when they should have been working or getting an education both of you have mentioned how young pro surfers have midlife crises and it's hard for the top tier and if it's hard for the top tier pros then what must it be like for the guys who are unmarketable clones with the same cutback blow tail or air reverse combo does surfing as a whole have a responsibility to help these kids? Or do we just say, cool, groovy, just enjoy? Well, of course we don't have a responsibility to help these kids. Usher him. No. But what are your thoughts on that? I mean, he's right. There are legions of B-level guys with just enough sponsor money going to QSs, trying to make an Instagram lifestyle out of it, all of it, you know? Uh, my thoughts are, you know what, let them go for it. Because really what they're doing is they're following their passion, which is great. You know, and eventually it's either going to bear fruit or not. Um, and they're going to learn on their way. You know, like the greatest, you know, some of the most successful men and women in America and throughout the world have failures at the beginning of their sojourn. And I think it's a good thing. I. I, it's easy to just kind of like sit back here with a cup of tea in my hand and kind of go, those guys are lame, you know, but really, I don't care. I, I don't care what they do. 
I'm not. Let me make it more engaged. real. Yeah. You have kids that are going off to college okay. in the next couple of years. Yeah. If they said, hey, no, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to try to be a pro surfer and travel around, scrape together money, try to travel around the world for the next couple of years. How would you feel about that as an investment as a father? Well, I'm, I'm not investing in that. For It's their own investment. Yeah. If it's their own, I'm fine with it for the same reasons. I want my kids and I want all people to follow their passion because I think that that's where they're, they are going to bear fruit. You know, like you could go get an accounting degree and get a great job and just be just bummed out in your mid twenties, miserable, making much of money, miserable. You're, you're maybe you're in Omaha or you're in New York City or wherever, and a lot of times, what manifests itself with that misery is like, how do I find a solution for my misery? And there's lots of solutions for your misery out there that are easily tapped into, like alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever it is that you're trying to fill that void with. Sounds good so, so far. What go on? I mean, I'm yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're like, where do I sign up? Um, so th- the other thing is you're also trying to, um, if, if you are in Omaha doing that accounting job, not chasing your passion, you only got two weeks off a year to then indulge in your passion or maybe you'll, you'll also do it on Saturdays for a few hours. Like that is such a, sad solution that I think most people do buy into or, or certainly have for the last 50 years. Like that was what I was told when I was coming up is go to college, get a job. Security is kind of what matters most. And then, you know, definitely indulge yourself when you have the free time, but it's very different than, um, I think that find your passion and then make a career out of your passion. That paradigm was set into place and in like, obviously, you know, way back when, but for sure, in like the 40s and 50s and 60s, that paradigm that you just mentioned. And, and we're kind of, first of all, we, we live to be 85 and 90 years old now. Back yeah. then, like life expectancy was like 69 or whatever, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I think you have more time to follow your passion and still get your feet under you and do what you need to do to, to kind of be set up. I also think that was an ex- like a social experiment that's actually been it's kind of failed in recent years. Like it did work through the fifties from the fifties until 2008 or whatever, where come work for a company, you will rise the ranks and earn more money throughout your life. We, the company will take care of you. You will get a pension. Well, all those companies have gone bankrupt. Nobody gets a pension anymore. The government had to bail out a bunch of them and the companies in their belt tightening realized, well, we're not going to bump you up the salary ladder when we can just hire a kid who's desperate to work out of college because he has $200,000 in student loans, we're going to hire him for 40000 bucks, And he's actually not resistant to all our new ideas about implementing computer systems and all this kind of and thing. And only one week of paid vacation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. By and the way, and I- if he's not willing to do it, there's kids from other countries who are coming over who are willing to. So it's upended. And, and so now I think the things that are valued by companies and profitable companies is creative thinking, leadership skills, the things that you actually can't automate, whereas those other jobs, it was more automate, like we're just gonna train you to do our tasks. Now it's like, no, 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 come in and innovate, come in and be creative. The leadership thing, you can somewhat train, but some people have it or they don't. So kind of what you're saying about chase your passions is the right solution. That makes you more viable in today's marketplace than going and learning something by rote and applying the accounting numbers. Accounting's gonna get replaced by AI for sure. 
The whole AI thing is just fascinating, and I know this isn't the place to discuss it, but I've been I've been ruminating on it. It's crazy. Yeah. You know what's fascinating too regarding two weeks of paid vacation? I think that needs to change. I think the the model should be six weeks of paid vacation for every American. Like we need six weeks. Check this out. So when I was playing golf, we played golf at this one place where you had to have caddies. And so one of my caddies was was a computer co he was a coder, he's a programmer. And he lived in Germany and he was Irish. And he um, he took his six weeks every year and came over to Nantucket and was a caddy. And that was his paid, so he's getting paid. Six weeks paid vacation. He's in America. He's having a good time. He's working hard. Those caddies work hard. But, I mean, he's also cruising at night having fun. You know, he's a young mid-20s, 30-year-old or whatever. He's making bank As caddying. He's making bank on his paid vacation. And he's, and he's enjoying his vacation. It's not like he's not coming right. back refreshed and stoked. He's got six weeks over in America. That's a great, I don't know, I don't have any data to back that up. I just think that that should be the new paradigm for better corporations, quality better quality of life. It's going to create better human beings. Well, he's going to be a more effective employee. You're going to get his company that gives him the six weeks is going to get more productivity out of him than they'll lose. Yeah. Because the worst thing for productivity is putting somebody under fluorescent lights in a cubicle for eight hours a day staring at a computer screen. Oh, Nothing gets done. They'll work maybe for two hours of that day and then scroll Facebook and Instagram the rest of the time yep. and just be checked out mentally. Totally. You know? When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's pretty interesting. The it whole, interesting. Uh, we're getting kind of political. Well, no, we should... but, but what's interesting about that pro surfer comment or uh, B-level pro surfer is you also got an email that you forwarded me because you brought up Nat Young, the Santa Cruz Nat Young in a podcast recently and you're like yeah i'd love to hear his story about struggle and falling off tour and trying to get back on and i i was like no i don't really care because his is one of a, a thousand last year of the guys going through the exact same thing and then somebody emailed to agree with you basically and go no 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 you guys really need to know nat is santa cruz's hope like there hasn't been a surfer on tour since either adam Rapogel or chris gallagher stone um 
and all the weight of the world is on Nat. And he has had these <laughs> these hardships in his life that haven't really been talked about publicly. And it would be a great interview. Well, ever since we got that email, <clears throat> for whatever reason, that totally turned me. <laughs> like, I'm Nat Young's hugest fan now. Like, because I love the underdog. Like, I love, I actually love Nat Young's story. But it hasn't been excavated. It needs to be told. And then maybe I'm the one or you're the one that needs to do that or at least start that conversation. But did you read that email and kind of go, yeah, Nat, go for it. You know, like he's, he's, I mean, he's, I think he's pretty close. I think he could requalify. Yeah. Can you check the QS? I can, yeah. Did you get a chance? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I'm always sympathetic to the human element of the story, right? Dude, Nat Young was a top five guy like three years ago. I know. I don't, I don't think, I think it was at a time where it was like, don't. It, it, it was allowed to happen. Like, <laughs> there was allowed. There was a conspiracy. There was. Like we a conspiracy. need a North American I think hero. He somehow. I mean, he had an epic um, rookie season, you know, and he kind of he he did surf really really well. But I never felt like he was at the level of the Gabriel Medina that year, or John John Florence, or anywhere near those guys. Okay, he's sixth right now. You're right. I think yeah. he lost in the U.S. Open already, but oh, he's sixth in the sucks. world. So. He Dude, could be he back could requalify. But I if would he be does, stoked. here's my point. If he does, he might have a whole new spark. It could be there. Fair. It could be that, like, look, at years two, three, and four on the CT, you're like, you know, it's you, all new. Kaloe's just finding his feet eight years in. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm just a fan. I'm a fan of the underdog. And to me, a guy who gets kicked off tour kind of grinds i bet he's not even sponsored by anybody he was with hurley forever and i think recently when i've seen him he hasn't had those stickers on yeah. his board hurley's for sale by the way i know but anyway so, i'm a fan of nat young's and i want to see but that was a great email so the answer to your question is did it change my mind the human in- interest element always i love so yes this the santa cruz connection all that stuff what i was poo-pooing earlier was just why why his story instead of Jadson Andre's story or Kaiwa Belly's story or any of the uh, and it doesn't have to be Brazilian. I mean there's well, like actually does I mean actually I think that's important that, that that it's there's nationalism involved. I mean this is our guy. You know, we're coming up on the Olympics, we got the Pan Am games going on, we got all sorts of shit going down that's that's completely nationalistically driven. Culturally, all the tones, all the all the storylines are like this guy's from Peru. This guy's from the United States. This guy's from Brazil. This girl's from Costa Rica. It's all right now, man. You're, we're steeped in nationalism. We got the Olympics next year. I mean, it's you're going to see it coming. So I think that is important. I think nationalism is important, and I think that's why I'm interested in Nat Young because, frankly, he's my guy. Yeah. You know, along with a couple of others, right? Kolohe and right. All right. Well, I'm excited for you to go do all that research and drive up to Santa Cruz and get this done, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> You know whose story I want to know? Who's? Matt Banning. Oh, my God. Did you interview Come on, Banning. Come is on, he, Carlos Munoz. Munoz is interesting, actually, if you really got He's behind. A, that's a great story. You need to really dig into that one. Okay, maybe we do have See, something. They, they, would, they would be so smart if their handler said, you know what, let's be honest, let's be transparent, let's tell the whole Munoz story. That's implying they have handlers. In which, if they did, they wouldn't be in the scenario. Or he wouldn't be in the scenario. <laughs> but now they must have handlers. Somebody slapped him around. No, I've talked to Kyborg's his handler. No, not anymore. No, I know. Um, so, we did, are on to something. I'm completely sold now. We need a B-list, like an entire series on B-list pros. They're more interesting than A-list. They are. They are. I am now. We'll convinced. call it the B-list. Totally. I'm and what does our list do? 
struggle. It's no, all about the struggle. Do we just highlight one every year, every episode? I think so. Yeah, you pick. Yeah, it's all profile pieces on the B list. Well, look, let's start with Carlos. What can we say? I mean, what are you comfortable saying about Carlos? Like, we all know that there was some so, some crazy shit that happened in Hawaii. That Carlos was a big big fish in a small pond of Costa Rica. Like he was the guy coming out of Costa Rica. And he was red hot, unbelievably talented, huge airs. Sponsored by ten, Volcom. Tens at the uh, backdoor shootout or the Volcom Pipe Pro or whatever, like. This 18, 19-year-old kid coming out of Costa Rica that's known for shredding, getting backdoor kegs and getting 10-point rides. He like was he had it the Pan-American guy that we all thought was going to be on the CT. Was he on the CT? No. no he, he never qualified. Was. He was close. So something happened. He was in Hawaii, and basically the wheels came off. There were some outside influences, let's just say. You read between the lines. I don't know why we're afraid to say what we know. Well, I don't know what I... That's I, probably why. I but, don't want to... the rumor was that there were some outside influences. He's always partying. He was known for, like... Okay, thank he gets you. Out of you Co- said what he I gets out of Costa Rica, goes on the road, and you have access to every vice, and you're going to all these countries, and you're, you're kind of like uh, the surf contest is in town. There's all the local groupies. You have just access to everything. So he was known for partying, for a year or two or a couple of years and then something significant happened i don't know what and then he kind of fell off the radar lost some sponsorship not you know then didn't have the funds to kind of make it to the next event started slipping down the rankings and um he's still out there but no, I think no, he's, he's very much out there he's kind of finding his footing again is what but he's I'm struggling to get from one country to the next financially did you read the thing in stab about the olympics yeah. about the isa and the wsl yeah Pretty interesting. I was going to bring it up today, but I just thought it was too much. It deserves its own show almost. Well, it, the short maybe version, you can. Maybe no, I'll give you the shortest version ever. Is yeah. The ISA Games and the U.S. Open run on the same date. Right. And but so no, it's the Pan Am. The Pan Am, right. Which is huge. The Pan Am Games, listeners should know, this isn't just surfing. This is basically a smaller version of the Olympics. Like there's 38 sports yeah. that take place. So And that's that'll be a, a stepping stone into qualifying for the Olympics it's for one of the com- way for, for cer- certain for Pan American countries totally for for Carlos Munoz and for exactly. Noah Nomara McGonagall and his sister Leilani yeah and so the surfers who are coming from these smaller countries who aren't going to qualify via the CT want they have to make a decision do I pursue my goals to qualify for the Olympics and go to the Pan Am Games or do I pursue my goals to have an actual career on the world tour and go to the U.S. Open to try to accumulate points to qualify for the CT and some of them are very close they're basically throwing away an opportunity at 10,000 point QS points just to go potentially qualify for the Olympics right yeah and this also took place as you'll recall when you read it that the first sort of the first time this came on people's radar was the QS at Sunset Beach last year, mm-hmm. where two of the guys, Carlos Munoz being one of them, and another guy... Peruvian goofy footer? Yes. Yeah. I forget his name Me now. Me too. But they had to make the choice to go back to this PSAA event, which is Pan American Surfing Association event, which is like a qualifier for this Pan Am Games that's taking place right now. See what I mean? It sounds confusing. I hope the listeners aren't bored to death of this. But it's fascinating... And, and really the conflict is why did these two entities that are supposedly there to help these young surfers fulfill their dreams, why aren't they talking more? Why isn't there more communication? Why aren't they doing more so that they're not scheduling super important qualifying events, one for the CT, one for the Olympics, and they're doing them on the same dates? Yeah. And, and of course, they all have their reasons. Fernando's they- got his reasons, which makes sense. The WSL has 
some reasons. I don't even think the WSL addressed it, but they're not basically stab. Michael C. wrote, look, let's just face it, the WSL is not going to change their dates for the US Open because it's sort of it's been around forever. It's set in stone. There's there's permitting issues. But guess what? There's, you don't think the Pan Am Games has permitting issues? Way and, more permitting. And issues. that's the problem. And I would say the further problem is there's too many freaking events. There's a hundred QS. I mean, literally, there's probably a hundred QS events every year, maybe more. Um, and then I don't know how many yeah, but Pan Am. You don't really care about those events until you get to the six thousand and tenth. Like I know. Like you got to qualify to get into. I think the top hundred get into the ten thousands. I don't know. But anyway, it, this is where you go down a rabbit hole. Exactly. And it's also just um, so if there's that many events running in these multiple different feeder systems, there's going to be overlap at times. So it happens that the most heavily weighted events happen to overlap this time. So they so, probably should avoid those. Yeah. But they didn't. And it makes you roll your eyes and kind of go, really? Well, it wasn't. But ever, this affected Carlos Pinos. Yeah. And it wasn't ever that important before because the Olympics weren't a real vibe, weren't an option before. Right. But now it's like if the Olympics are the end goal of this one feeder system, now it has more weight. Well, what's fascinating about it is because the sort of contraction of the surf industry, <clears throat> all of these QS or all of these Pan American, all of these sort of B-level surfers that aren't on the CT, they're getting funded by their nation states. Mm -hmm. They have to be loyal to Costa Rica. Yeah. They have to be loyal to Peru. Yeah. They have to be loyal because the, these nation states are literally writing the check and they're basically going, we're writing it for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. We don't give a crap about the WSL. We want to see our country represented in the Olympic Games, first time ever surfing, and you're our person. So we're going to fund you for two years to get this done. Yeah. And so they're going, well, there's no money in the surf industry. Nobody's supporting anyone. I mean, how many CT surfers don't even have sponsors? I know. Anyway, a lot. point is, Carlos, you got to follow the money. And that's what he did. Yeah. Well, interesting side note to this. I got an email from somebody pointing out... Um, that America really, they were making an argument that American surfers actually have an advantage over all other surfers in the world because the wave pool kind of arms race is happening on American soil. So the fact that um, talent will be kind of developed in the ocean, but it'll be perfected in the pool. And you could use Kevin Scholl's freak peak flip as an example sierra kerr's air reverse as an example so sierra kerr josh kerr's daughter has been landing and trying airs in the ocean and then they go and put her in the wave pool for a week and i there's video clips out there of her trying the same exact air reverse time and time again and then she stomps one on the 10th try claims it hard use jackson dorian shane dorian's son develops all his talent in the ocean then goes to bsr and just puts out banger clips of doing air reverses yeah i think these are important but I, I i don't think we can firmly say this until we see these same surfers perform under pressure in the ocean during competition that counts agreed no you know agreed. What I mean? like you're basically saying free surfing here free surfing there their free surfing is getting better in the pools absolutely and it's, will it so we're it's a level when you're just in the ocean it's kind of a level playing field among nations right but the United States, in addition to that, basically has a ramp in your backyard that you can just go practice. When the light, when the sun goes down, you yes. flip the backyard There's lights no on no and doubt. just start practicing that air reverse. But Australia has that. They have fewer than we do, though. I mean, really, the arms Spain race is happening. This. They have the, sh the crappy one, the wave garden that isn't... The cove? Oh, well, that, maybe. But be a... 
Look, but you're saying in the future, developed. in the next five years, there's going to be more footprint here totally. in the USA than totally. there is. As there already is. But yes, even more so as we move forward. So the idea is kind of looking at that 10-year span, we have this secret training ground in our arsenal. And I think Australia, their secret weapon. China. Yeah, but Australia has a, their own secret weapon, which is these training facilities. You know, so different countries have different things. Yeah. But it was an interesting point. And I think... If the Brazilian has the storm, we can brand this as the American tornado. Or what happens in the Midwest? Because these wave pools will come from the Midwest. <laughs> Tornadoes. Yeah, Tornadoes. exactly. So it's yeah. the American tornado. Well, maybe like a... Like a... a what, do you, what do they call it? What do you call it when a lot of locusts arrive? What is that called? A swarm? A plague? A locust swarm? A biblical plague? Yeah, we've got a biblical locust swarm known as the wave pool. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of storms, hurricanes Eric and Flossie headed, expected to produce mid-period east-southeast swell to Hawaii, the Big Island, of course, the south shore of the Big Island, and Maui, and Oahu and Kauai. They'll be, those two islands will be partially shadowed, but um, tomorrow and Friday, both uh, Hurricane Eric and Hurricane Flossie producing unique hurricane tropical storm surf to Hawaii. I think that's sweet. Kind of interesting. The storm track. Yeah. Did that last year too. Yeah. And it's and it's. I mean, I don't think you can. At be, in my mind, there weren't a lot of tropical storms that went straight west like that. It just seems to be sort of a new phenomenon. Hmm. What do you attribute it to? I don't know. I'm just totally riffing. I, I'm just saying. I remember last year they the storm track did the same thing. This year the storm track's doing the same thing. And I don't recall it, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago until right. like maybe Hurricane Aniki or something. Yeah. Um, I want to do a uh, mid-year review on Eric Logan. Yeah, good idea. I mean, there's been Have a you bunch. spoken with him? No, not at all. But there's been a ton of content coming out of the WSL video content, right. which is his responsibility. Right. Um, are you watching Surf Breaks? Is that with Chris? Sometimes it's with Chris. I'm not. Why not? Um, I don't know. I haven't watched it, but... Talk me through it. it. So it's on... They're mainly promoting it through their Instagram feed. And every day, they do kind of a recap of what's the most important things happening in surfing. So it always includes some WSL, but it'll also be like the most the best video clip that happened. Or it's Carissa Moore's birthday today. And they try to get it... Keep That's it, exactly why. They try to keep That's it exactly why I don't watch it. Why? I don't give a shit about Chris Moore's birthday. I'm a 54-year-old man. I'm more interested in, like, the stock price of Billabongers. You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, that's why. Because it's a little bit too bubblegummy. Okay. That's why. Okay. You know what I mean? It's a little bit too... Life is wonderful. Check in. F follow us and you'll be part of the culture. You know what I mean? It's, kind of, it's just... It's insincere. Hmm. Do you like that they're doing a once-a-day news recap? Does that I haven't even that? watched it. So to be fair to Eric and what they're I know, doing, but it's shocking that you haven't watched. I've it. I've seen it and I've and I've watched like one of them, and I immediately went, "No, I'm good," right, and moved on to like you know whatever podcast I was listening to. So, not that you asked, but what about you, David? Thank you. Uh, yes, the exact same feeling as you. I have not watched one all the way through, and I've tried. It's what? It's too Back much. Back me up. It's this is not. Um, an indictment of Chris at all because 
they're the ones directing on how the person on it on screen is doing it. And it's not just Chris. It's Kaipo sometimes. It's that it's surfer. It's indictment of... It's the surfer from the South Bay that does it sometimes. But it's like, the thing is, it's a camera in close to their face going, hey, what's up? High energy is part of the problem. Totally lame. Like high totally en- lame. Hey, guys, what's up? Here's what's happening today in surfing. Let me tell you about this. Like splat, like flash cut to boom, boom. And like graphics and music and all this. And it's... it. I'm offended. Like I have delicate. This is my fault. I have delicate sensibilities, and this offends them. Like this I feels agree. like it should be on E access exactly. television or whatever. That you know is. who they need? They need somebody with a delivery. So I, for, I think we're going to blame Eric. Right we're going to blame Eric. Right? I don't. I think they need a delivery like a, a Martin Potter delivery. No. Somebody not Martin, but I mean the delivery of Martin Potter, like like a oh, maybe Martin's not the right guy. Like the perfect guy for this would be Matt Warshaw. I disagree completely. I don't want high energy bubblegum. You know, I want like, you know who I want? I want like um, the super smart Kenny Maine from ESPN. Do you know who I mean? No. Anyway, he's super it. smart. He's like Bill Murray. Basically, he's Bill Murray. Yeah. He is Bill Murray. He's just like Bill Murray. Sort of super smart, undertone, like under the radar, clever. Yeah. You know, like you got to be, he's witty, but you only get it if you get it. Yeah. And, and in a real deadpan delivery and just, and also kind of like, eh, if you don't like it, whatever, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. See you next time. Like he, yeah, there's yeah. not a whole lot of like, you've got to love this because look at me, I'm lovable. So, but I mean, let's, what we're not saying is that they're not trying to appeal to you and I. Exactly. They're trying to engage a younger audience, I'm yeah. sure. No, that's and, true. And so maybe they're doing it successfully. I, mean, I, don't I hope they are. I'm just but saying I'm not. I, you know, but it makes, you're right. It makes sense. It's, I'm not the demo. So. But what's weird about it is I completely care about everything they're talking about, and I'm still not interested to sit through. Which you isn't care about Carissa Moore's birthday? <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I mean, not. I don't really care. But if they reference it and show it, her doing a blow tail, I'll watch that. I'm fine with that. It's more to do. I think you identified it. It's the tone is that is just kind of like rubs me the wrong way. Where I'm scrolling and this thing hits me kind of loud and obnoxiously, and I'm like, uh, I got to get away from here as quick as possible. Even though two minutes isn't a ton of time to sit through, I got to get away from here as soon as possible. Yeah. I just feel like they need more of like a news anchor type tone than, yeah, than which I think all of those guys, Kaipo, Chris, I can't remember that surfer's name in the South Bay. That's, um, it'll come to me in a minute. But Matthew something or other. He was on The Bachelor. He got kicked off on like (laughs) episode one. Okay, you totally lost me, dude. I don't. I don't watch The Bachelor, but that was part of the story. I think you do. I think you do. Um, I think you watch. (laughs) <laughs> I think you, you, should, be on the, you should be on The Bachelor. I think I'm aged out of that demo. Dude, come on. Um, you guys had a Bachelor viewing party last night. I didn't. My daughter and my wife did. Bachelorette? I don't know. Which one is it? Believe me, I'm snoozing. I don't know. I really don't know. I was going to try to lull you into giving me details. Was it The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? Well, it was The Bachelorette. And, I don't and Karen didn't do good this season. Uh, well, I think that... I think if they're trying to be E, they're succeeding. Yeah. If, if they're trying... Let me put it to you this way. If that came, if my dad was watching over my shoulder as I turned that on, I would turn it off out of embarrassment that this is what our culture is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's embarrassing. Yeah. And that's why and it kind of falls under the whole surfers are the worst thing. Yeah. Because when I excavate it, it seems like what we always do, even when we're not trying to do it, is we sort of like emphasize the spicoliization of the, our culture. And you and I are so much more than just some dumb bong hitting fucking surfer from Claremont. You know what I mean? Like, 
and so be that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every comment. Although I'm not much more than that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll hey. reserve my. Uh, so more about Elo. Oh, wait. You were going to reserve your comment? Yeah. Well, I didn't want to pat us on the back oh, okay. Good. Um, on air. I'll do it when we turn the mics on. I love Elo, by the way. I think he's a great guy. So another I'm thing. A big fan. I think he's. Go ahead. Another pro, uh, video series project that they've implemented is WSL Soundwaves. Have you watched these? No. So I'm afraid to. <laughs> um, what are they? They're doing what we what we've been asking for. By the way, you yeah. and I for years have been like, you need to tell better stories about the athletes on your tour and get us invested in these people, so that when a rivalry happens, we know who's who and what's what. We have a context for it. So WSL Soundwaves is they'll pick a particular. Oh, I did see this. They'll pick a particular surfer I and then follow, follow them around on the yeah. contest site and kind of tell a lot of the backstory. Episode one was with Seth Moniz on the Gold Coast. Episode two was. Connor at I think Karamas. Episode three was Jack Robinson at Margaret River. Now I watched all of them. The only one that I thought was successful was Jack Robinson's at Margaret River because it tapped into the most important part of that event, which was the box, the most dangerous wave, high risk, high reward was going to be firing. And Jack Robinson is the local favorite, who's not only a local. But he is a maestro at this spot. He's the best surfer at this spot ever. And he's coming up against Felipe Toledo, who is the best surfer at what he does in the world. And he's also afraid of big barreling waves. So you have these two <laughs> epic. That's a good one. And he, so you have he's these, afraid of them? He's afraid of big he's barreling afraid. waves. David, you said Felipe Toledo's frightened. He's frightened. afraid. Shaking in his wetsuit. Okay. Wow. And so you have these two opposing forces that are... It's like the ultimate clash, and it's going to take place at the best venue when the swell's pumping, and it's the best we've seen it in a long time. Now, that all came together fortuitously. They just pick somebody in advance to train their cameras on, and they hope a storyline Don't develops. they mic them up? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is – it's called sound wave. Right. So it's kind of – there's there's no – uh, fast cuts. There's no music beds. There's no audio trickery. It's just kind of raw following behind the scenes. But what my point is, is that an amazing storyline happened to develop for what? their cameras. Yes. Whereas the Seth Muniz episode... No conflict. It's like, okay, well, you picked a guy. Unfortunately, there was no storyline that really emerged, and you still decided to go to the editing bay and try to make something out of this. And I just wasted eight minutes following around this really nice guy who surfs pretty good. Yeah, that's my question. I watched the Connor Coffin one. I did. I didn't know it was called Soundwaves. But I, and I think I might have turned it off halfway through. For the, for the exact same reason that I'm saying. There was yeah. no plot. I don't need a PR thing. Right. Like, to me, they're like, they're like, let's promote our athletes. And I'm more interested in find the athlete that has a super interesting story in other words conflict and it could be uncomfortable and it might not put the wsl surfer in the best light but guess what in the long run it's going to make us all totally eyeballs engaged yeah but you don't know there's too many surfers on tour so there's 36 men and 17 or 20 women which you can't put camera crews on 50 or 60 surfers so they need to pick the ones that they think might have, like, they probably do sit down and go, okay, who's going to have a breakout performance at this event? That's who we should do. Or who has some local, like Jack Robinson, he's the local guy, so we'll do that. Makes sense, you know? Seth Moniz, he's the rookie, and he's going to have a opening event. Like, let's do that guy. But if the story doesn't come together, 
you kind of have to can the piece. I agree. I, it's, I don't know. It's, I, what they need to do is, and I don't know if Soundwaves is the right place to do it, but what is it that we hate? Like what I hate is when they go up to a surfer, let's say after a heat, and they go, so what's next? Or they, they might say something, whatever they say, and the surfer generally says, oh, I don't know, I'm taking it one heat at a time. And, you know, or they might say, hey, how do you feel about, you know, representing your country? And they might say, oh, you know, I don't, I'm not worried about it. I'm just, you know, we're all friends out here on tour. Right. You know? They need somebody to go, well, you should care about it. <laughs> you know, like they need somebody to, they need like. An instigator? I don't want to say instigator, but somebody that commands enough respect and c comes at them with legitimate, you know, backup follow-up questions, basically. Provocative. Yeah, something, you know, other than, and it's hard. Look, I know it's very hard, but. Well, I'm also, I almost don't care about a lot of them. Like, I to have a provocative question, I have to be invested in you and your story. And there's a lot of guys that, and the girls that are just so milk toast that... You know what's interesting about Mick Fanning? One of the many things that's interesting about Mick Fanning is that his brother died. When he was a teenager. Right. Yeah. How he died. And yeah. what, that effect, what that effect had on Mick Fanning. Yeah. Now, that story was told a little bit, I think, in me, myself, and I, Eugene, or whatever it was, right? Yeah. But that's the kind of thing that I bet 99% of recent WSL viewers don't know anything about. Right. You and I are completely involved. We're deep in it, so we get it. But yeah. a lot of times, maybe that's just it. We're too close to this stuff to bring these stories back out. And, you know, but, yeah. you know, a question like, how would your brother feel about your victory today? Yeah, you know, like so any, you know, like that's like people are like, what? What do you mean, his brother? You know, and then all of a sudden, we throw it back to Pete and Ross or who Joe, and, and then they've got to back up what they got to they got to put it into context. Well, right. for those of you who don't know, you know, now all of a sudden that's pretty friggin' interesting. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. Like everyone needs to, they need somebody in the Santa Monica to come through every single surf and go, what's the really most interesting thing about him? And don't tell me it's his top turn because it's not. Yeah. And if they don't have something interesting, fine. They're out. They're out of my editorial scope. Right. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I Maybe put, we're nitpicking too much. No, we're long. not. No, we're not. Uh, I want to put a bow on the Frankie Oberholzer thing. Um, Go for it. I've got it posted on spitpodcast.com, so you can watch the film there. Um, Red Bull produced it, but it's definitely worth watching. Like, among all the tons of surf content that we have nowadays john john florence's new vlog series julian wilson's new vlog series um all the stuff the wsl is putting out there's a ton of content but red bull continues to kind of tap into great stories and do a great job with the production and telling them and the frankie oberholzer thing he's such a good character and his story's so interesting and he's so likable still he's charming and he surfs unbelievably well and when you see the old footage it's unreal and the story real quickly is that tom curran had never been on a surf trip other than for a surf contest by the time he retired from the tour and so the search was trying to figure out what to do with him and Derek hine being the marketing guy at the time was like let's create this thing called the search and we'll send tom around the world just searching for perfect waves 
but he had been hearing about this kid from South Africa called Frankie Oberholzer. He heard about him five years ago, but he had never seen him surf. And he ends up going to J-Bay, and he sees Frankie surf. And Derek's like, holy cow, this kid is unreal. He was like 17 or 18 at the time. So he walks up to Frankie, and he goes, hey, how would you like to spend the next year traveling and surfing with Tom Curran? <laughs> how cool. And Frankie's like, uh, I'm in. <laughs> and so they sent these guys around, and they made the search series about right. it. And you watch that footage, and you go, Frankie is a bona fide talent. And going blow to blow with Tom Curran. Like, it's gnarly. Is that the trip where they have Kern's first wave at J-Bay? I don't know if it's the same. I don't know if it's the same trip or not. Yeah. I feel like that trip was earlier. Yeah. Um, But Frankie, they're interviewing Frankie today, and he's shaping boards in South Africa. Cool. I'm sure he's uh, just making a living kind of in the periphery of surfing, but... Not not as a pro surfer is what I mean to say. Um, Everyone's a pro surfer. Come on. Right. If, if you could build his Instagram following, you can be. Uh, What's the number you need to get to to be a pro surfer? The number of what? Followers. Of dollars? Followers, followers on Instagram. 10,000 and you're a pro? No, 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 no. 100,000 and you're a pro? Yes. Okay. And by the way, at that level, you're making money off of non-endemic brands. Like if an endemic brand picks you up, fine. But... You at the hundred thousand dollar level or a hundred thousand follower level can develop all these brand partnerships outside of surfing. It probably means you're good looking. It probably means you're flexing, you yeah. know, with your shirt off or whatever. <laughs> and then you're on some beach, and there's brands whose sole marketing is directed towards Instagram and influencers. And so, Frankie, I interrupted you. You were telling me about Frankie. It's he's a great a, piece. Shaping boards. It's a great piece. Yeah. Red Bulls thing again. Spit podcast. I'm going to check that out. I'll post. I'm, it. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So um, Red Bull does great work. Totally. By the way, I'm a fan. I actually had Red Bull for the first time when I was in Nantucket. Wow. And you're a fan. I'm a fan of drinking one Red Bull at the turn, like after nine holes, and I got to walk nine more holes. Okay. I pound one Red Bull. And it seemed to work wonders. Well, the funny thing is, in that email that came through that prompted this entire conversation, Alejandro says, um, thanks to Red Bull's awesome video production, of course. Still not drinking that crap, though. (laughs) I I agree that it's crap. I'm just saying I'll pound one as medicinal, kind of like a cup of coffee. Just to serve the caffeine purpose. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever had a Red Bull. Like... I definitely never drank a Red Bull out of the can, but I think I had it mixed into like a vodka drink at a surf line party during the U.S. Open or, you know, like where that, they're the sponsor. And so here, we're going to pour it down your gullet. (laughs) (laughs) And you open wide. Um, I've got a, okay, go ahead. Well, we need to wrap. I got, I got to get out of here. Oh, you're kidding. I've I've got so much more. Okay, wait. Time crunch. Can you, can you, do you got time for one more story? Yeah. This is going to be fun for you. Okay. This is a quiz actually. Who is this surfer? Okay. I like this game. Who is this surfer? I'm going to go like little bits at a time and give you an opportunity. Okay. Tall, leathery, plain-spoken surfboard builder from Santa Barbara, California. An early proponent of EPS epoxy resin boards. Described by surf writer Sam George as the king of the ranch, the locals local, and one of the best surfboard shaper designers in the world. Rennie Yater? Wrong. 
He was born in 1944, began surfing in the mid-50s, worked in the Yader Surfboards factory in the early 60s, where he was informally mentored by Rennie. In 1968, he began making boards on his own Creative Freedom Surfboards label, working out a small shop in nearby Goleta. Goleta? Goleta. I always make that. If you get that word wrong. Wayne Rich? No. His calling card in the late 60s and 70s was the stripped down and perfectly balanced California point break gun. Still don't know? Dude, I feel pathetic right now. This is my wheelhouse. I should know this. He was virtually unheard of outside of the Santa Barbara area until 1985 when he made an ultralight EPS epoxy resin board for future world champion Martin Potter. What the heck? Martin Potter immediately rode the board to victory in a World Pro Tour event, and then other pro to- top pros like Brad Gerlach and Shane Haran began riding his epoxies while they were in California. You're killing me. I, I still don't know. Board crafting skills aside, he was unique among his peers in the way he continued to work as a one-man show. His output was low, and he made each board start to finish in his small backyard factory. Low-key, he did not advertise. In his hometown, he was known for tooling around in an immaculate 1955-season blue Porsche 356 Continental with a tiny dog in the passenger seat. He died of leukemia in 1999 at age 55, almost certainly contracted from decades worth of exposure to toxic board-making materials. I don't know about that last sentence, but... Yeah, leukemia. Anyway, you don't hear this? this no, I love him, though. This is brought to you by the Encyclopedia of Surfing. I knew as soon as you started, I go, I should just type in and see what Matt Warshaw sent me on Sunday night. No, it's, no this is... I dug, I dug a little deeper. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, Matt Warshaw's Encyclopedia of Surfing is worth every dime. The, the surfer, $3 a month. The surfer I mentioned is John Bradbury. Oh, okay. John Bradbury. That makes perfect A sense. former icon of foam from uh, the 2008 boardroom surfboard show at the Ventura Fairgrounds. That's John awesome. Bradbury. Good read. Good. Uh... I'm glad I stumped you. Well, I'll also, try to get one a little easier. That one was a tough one if you didn't really. Well, also, like, uh, it's great to reset these historical things like i needed to know exactly why i'm doing that i needed to know that we need to i need to continue to bring this to the to the table yeah very good okay well well my i got a must-see moment of the duke my must-see moment is visla's latest surf film rolling review have you watched it i don't believe i have dude i'm not inclined i'm not really inspired to sit down and watch a 20-minute surf film too often nowadays even though i've mentioned three in this episode alone (laughs) all of Um, them are your sponsors (laughs) no red bull's not a sponsor okay two of them (laughs) Um, and this is not a paid advertisement for rolling review at all it's called rolling review it's fantastic dude. i'm sure it's fantastic i'm I'm a big fan it captures all of the um the fun of a surf film and an adventure like going on a surf trip and all that sort of stuff but Bryce Young's surfing. Guy's great. Oh, it's unreal, dude. Yeah. And even He's got the, some Torrin Martin in him, or yeah. Torrin Martin has some Bryce Young in him. There's overlap, but they're distinct. Totally. You know, it's really interesting. Um, it's hard to even describe. You just have to watch it. Yeah. Derek Disney is kind of in every section of the film. He's the through line that goes to each of the locations. And it's like Derek Disney, I he's always been a good surfer, but he hasn't necessarily stood out to me as being like... If he's surfing with Birch, Birch is the one that I'm drawn to. If he's surfing with Bryce, Bryce is the one I'm drawn to. In this, Derek Disney steps up his game. Like, he's 
shredding. Cool. Super impressive. He's a great surfer. I surf with him more than occasionally around here. He's a fantastic surfer. Back one of the biggest days ever at Swami's. Probably the biggest day I've ever surfed Swami's. Derek Disney and I just, by happenstance, were walking down the stairs together. There was three dudes out. Most guys couldn't make it out. It was massive. And so he and I marched down. You know, he might have been 100 yards in front of me. We marched down pass to boneyards because that's where you were going to paddle out you were you know and then you just had to get lucky and we both scrambled paddled i lost him i didn't see where you know i was involved we were both involved in trying to get out and i and the current was so gnarly that it took me down to where the channel normally is and i was like uh, okay i guess like i'm like i'm like everybody else i'm done i'm gonna get wiped out you know like i'm not gonna get out it was just pounding massive 20 foot swamis and then it like, you know, God shone his light on me and there was a little break in the action and somehow I scrambled out. I got out. Once you get out past a certain scene, you're out there, you know, as long as you don't mm -hmm. go in too far. So I got out and Derek made it out and there was like maybe five or six of us out there and it was just magical, hmm. insane. And you got good ones. And I did. Got I got pictures ones. of it. Epic. Yeah. Well, there enough he, about me. Derek was he surfing. And Bryce, Derek was surfing great. He and Bryce surf a giant spot in France, like a big wave, and they're doing like crossovers, like taking off together, crossing over. And they're oh, riding cool. like ten foot guns. Right. Um, it, again, it's just they. There's a lot of great moments in the film um, that made me feel like I was watching a surf film from my youth again. Um, and then there's in Panama, Bocas, like high performance shredding with eric geiselman and cam richards you know so there's a little bit of everything but i fully enjoyed it so i'll post that as well spitpodcast.com my duke of the week is justin lee the naked dad who attempted to paddle a backup board out to his son connor in the lineup at lennox during a contest so connor his son takes off on a wave breaks his board and is kind of out to sea fledgling and the you mean dad. in a current or just no, just like just waiting. He wasn't in danger, right. but the heat's running down. The time's winding down, and he needs a backup board. The dad is on the beach, strips down to completely nude, and starts to paddle the board out into the lineup. The contest announcers get on and go, "No, no, no! You're not allowed to have assistance as the surfer. So if you take that out, he's going to get disqualified." So the dad just stays right in the shoreline, completely naked, <laughs> waiting, and then his son comes in and gets the board. Okay, so that, that was your Duke or yeah, your Yeah, Justin. <laughs> Justin is the Duke okay. for being a great father. Right, that guy's my kook, by the way. No, kook for no, exposing the beach to... No, uh, I'm stoked for him. Surfers are the worst. Yeah. All right, Scott. Well, this has been a pleasure. Welcome back to the West Coast. Yeah, man. Yeah. I've got some cool podcasts coming up. Um, Pat Rawson coming up soon on the boardroom. and Good luck with that. Dylan Longbottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, what do you mean good luck with that scott's giving the talking uh hand motion right now yeah he's a talker yeah, i love I pat mean, no and i've done too. a podcast with pat like pat's fantastic i already told him yesterday you gotta I told wrangle him, him. him. rain him in you, you gotta him wrangle him. It's like a fish you just yeah. gotta bring him back bring and him back to the boat he knows that i know he does. yeah he's he does. great yeah he's got a great sense of humor about it who yeah. else did you say dylan longbottom oh nice yeah cool yeah i got martin daly coming up tonight tomorrow so. Okay, until next time, adios and aloha.
Cut now. 